Hey guys, it's Lisa. Rachel and I are back on the podcast today to talk about fashion and our faith in God. Hello, Rachel. Hi, Lisa. (laughs) The title of today's episode is Running the Race, Our Journey from Sin to Freedom. So stay tuned for a deep look at mortal versus venial sin, being in a state of grace, and forever needing God's mercy. Our goal on this podcast is to add value to your life with a joyful discussion about our faith in God and hopefully leave you as a happier human. We upload a new episode every Wednesday, Lord willing, so hopefully you can stream us to wherever you are and we can help get you through your midweek grind. If you are a Catholic priest, religious, Catholic theologian, or otherwise knowledgeable person, please reach out to us if you hear us accidentally say anything that goes against the magisterium, because we do want everything we say to align with the teachings of Holy Mother Church. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Fashioned by Faith Podcast, and join the discussion in our Facebook group called Fashioned by Faith. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercy endures forever. <laughs> happy podcast day, Rachel. I'm so happy to be with you today. Happy podcast day. It feels like it's been a while since we've been together. We've I had know. so many things going on. We have. This is the reality of life in this stage of life right now. And it's delightful that we're back together in the same room. Yes, it is. <laughs> and listeners, thank you for having us over to your place today. Whether you're you know, listening to us at your house or... If we're squeezed into your cubicle with you at work, or if we're trying to keep up with you on a jog, (laughs) or if we're sitting in the backseat of your car, thank you uh, for having us with you today. So Rachel, something new that we learned about our listeners this past week was that many of our listeners are not Catholic, mm, which uh-huh. is which is really cool. I'm, I'm glad this, you know, podcast provides a space for all of us to come together and just be, you know. I agree. And be children of God. It's so true. And the faith that we have, especially since I spent a lot of my years before I became Catholic, mm. I have a, a, a spot you know, the spot in my heart for believers spending time together, regardless of the denomination we're with. There's such value in that. that. I do love that. We can so learn from each other. Absolutely. And share that faith that God has given us. Yeah, you're right. Uh, When this podcast comes out, Rachel, it will be November 27th, which is the feast of Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal. This is very cool. And the next day, November 28th, is the Feast of St. Catherine Labore, who Mary appeared to when she showed the Miraculous Medal. And Yes. Do you have a Miraculous Medal, Rachel? I do. It took me a, a little bit to realize that's what it was. But I have one that my husband brought home t- for me. It, there was an event at church, and he got it during my illness, actually, last year. Mm. And it has been so special to me. And it's neat because it's kind of large. It's maybe like two inches Yes. long or so yes and I love it so that's, that's the one that you're wearing on our little image that we had on Instagram right. that's right when we talk about favorite saints that's right that's, that's right beautiful I um I get so much comfort when I wear it yeah yeah so a couple times a week I like to put that on yeah and I have a big one like that too and sometimes when I see those big ones I wonder if they didn't come from sisters who wore mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. um like I feel like IHM nuns might might wear miraculous medals. I can't be mm, sure. That's a thought. But... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of what I like so much about it because it is 
a statement. Yeah. And, you know, if sisters are wearing it, you know, they're, they're stating something about their faith. Yeah. And going out into the world mm-hmm. with that on, just, mm-hmm. I don't know, it just makes me feel really good honoring our faith. Yeah. And Our Lady is with you. Yes. It's kind of like a shield. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it does feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, if our listeners don't have a Miraculous Medal, um, you can actually get a free one from the Association of the Miraculous Medal. Their website address is amm.org, mm. and they will uh, mail you a free one. You just have to give you give them your information, which is pretty cool. I love that. And sometime we should do a whole episode on the Miraculous Medal and everything that's associated with it. That would be There's really fun. There's a lot of meaning in that. Yeah. Yeah. There and totally all the symbolism. <laughs> so, Rachel, since I saw you last, how? Our things honestly things have been wonderful we are so blessed right now mm. I'm I have very little to complain about you yeah. know uh, Joey has popped a couple of teeth you know he like he's one now so he has some teeth and the teething process has been hard for him with Aww. you know some fevers and crankiness so that's been kind of a low light but he's coming through it good highlights there are too many to say but the last time we were together I think one of the last times I'd mentioned how my friend from across the country was coming to visit so she visited and we had the most blessed wonderful time did you and when you have known someone since childhood even if you don't see them all the time she knows so much about me that people (laughs) that I live near me now don't remember she was there from the beginning and it was just such a blessed time she she made a, um, a, there's a wooden clock that she gave me that she had carved into and painted in memory of Camille really? and she shared it with me and just, Oh, so many tears. Oh. So wonderful. Did Blessed. you hang it up? Um, I were, I know where I'm going to hang it. Okay. So we just have to, you know, put it up, but, um, oh, I can't wait until see. it's, you know, in it's, in it's spot. It's so beautiful. Mm. So, um, oh. that we filled your bucket, your cup. Uh, it <laughs> so filled my cup. Oh. So many things. Good. How about you? Good. Well, my low light has been just getting sick. I had a fever, and you can probably kind of hear it. So, but I'm just thankful to be, you know, on the road to recovery. You're a trooper, man. You've pushed (laughs) through some stuff with the sickness. It's funny how like things really get out of balance at home. Then you know, like you should see my laundry right now. Oh (laughs) my word, I understand. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll get to it. It'll all get done eventually. Yes. But we celebrated uh, Michael's birthday. Actually, Mm. his parents came out to visit. It and we had such a nice time, so that was a, a lovely highlight That's since I saw you last. Wonderful, yeah. Did he have a good time? He did, yeah. yeah. It was just good quality family time and good eats. And when I saw him earlier today, he just seemed like he had a pep in his step, so oh, it must have been fun. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to share with you a life lesson that I kind of have been learning. Um, I am such an extroverted introvert, you know, like, so for me to feel balanced, I really need quiet alone time every day to like reflect and create, if that makes sense. Yes. And that sometimes is hard to obtain, you know, like life gets busy and, um, but anyway, I just have to keep aiming for it because I find that if I have that alone time, then I enjoy my social time so much more. Yeah. You know? I, that makes complete sense to me, especially being, you know, that resonates with me because I'm technically <laughs> an introvert, but there is the extroverted side mm-hmm. where the social time, you know, what I learn from others just is so inspiring, but you need that balance so much. And like, as much as I love social time, does it drain your energy as opposed to refuel your energy? The older I get, the more it can refuel me. Oh, it but, can? And my younger self. 
in my younger years, it would drain me. Like if I was on a work trip, I would retreat to my hotel room and be like, oh, you know, now I can calm down or whatever. But um, I am getting more extroverted over time. However, I need quiet time. And you talked about being creative. I need mm. my own you know, mental space yeah. to come to conclusions or like create. So it really mm-hmm. is that balance. Yeah. It is that balance. Always, always something to strike or aim for, even if you don't strike it. Totally. Know? Um, for me, like <clears throat> the biggest life lesson, you and I touched on it a little in one of our conversations and it's a heavy one, but the, the light quick version is that people really are free. We have free will and we know this, but like people are free. So Free will on the plus side is so extraordinary because real love happens with free will. Okay. You freely love someone. And on the negative side, bad things can happen mm. with, you know, free will that isn't guided. Yeah. Um, and if we just let ourselves do whatever we would want. So um, just, yeah, being in awe of free, how free we are and how much I want to pray to God, please help direct my free will. Yeah. Not control it, but guide me. Yeah. You know. Because right. it's radical. It is radical. Sometimes you don't want to have your free will. Right, like you just want to give it to our Lord and be like, please just tell, tell me, me what, what to, to do. do. <laughs> so much. Life would be easier, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> but so. it is a gift. Yeah. So right. right. If it's going to be so good, you know, it's going to come with big risks. So yeah. we just have to be aware and keep praying. Yes. This is true. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite tangible thing that you've been enjoying lately? <laughs> It's um very much like a superficial thing, but I have this <laughs> lipstick that I haven't been able to wear for a few years, you know, because okay. uh-huh. uh, of my skin. And but I can now, and oh, it's good. like this deep berry color. It's not really pink; it's more like like a darker reddish. Pink. Tell me, it's called rum raisin. Is it called rum raisin? <laughs> it's something. It might even have raisin in it, but it's something like that. <laughs> okay. It um <clears throat> I just love it. It's bold, mm. and that's been fun this fall. To whip out sometimes. Will you put on any other makeup when you wear that, or do you just do the lip? So so far, I can I can't tolerate foundation. Okay. I can maybe tolerate a teeny bit of blush without my skin getting weird. Okay. But mascara and eyeliner, I can do. Okay. Nice. So though it is for me, it does. It's not a good idea to have lots of like eyeshadow plus yeah. bold lips. Yeah. So I do like to have minimal elsewhere eyes. Yeah. And then bold lips. That's cool. Cause I have seen that where it's a bold lip and like nothing else on the face really. Yes. And it does look very striking and cool. It'll certainly draw attention to, to the color. <laughs> yeah. 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 The reason I say rum raisin is because <laughs> I remember, I, gosh, I don't know. Was I going into like middle school? Maybe I was going into sixth grade. I don't even know, but I remember I got this like 17 magazine yeah. and I read that thing from cover to cover. It was like the only edition I ever bought. Was oh this one. yes. <laughs> And the girl on the cover had rum raisin lipstick, and I was like forever on a quest to find to rum find raisin. It. The funny thing is, now that you're saying it, I think it has like currant in the name. And currants are like raisins yeah. anyway, so <laughs> you know, I can maybe hook you up. Yes, um, it's like a life goal for me yeah. someday. That's okay, fun. so my favorite tangible thing I actually have right here. Mm. It's called Rose Quartz, and it's hand cream. Ooh. Oh, and it smells so good. And so what I do is, I'm going to do it right now. I okay. just put it on the t- the backs of my hands mm-hmm. because I don't like the feeling of lotion on my um, palms. Yeah, I don't too know greasy why. or something? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So in these winter months, I just put it on the backs of my hands because the backs of your hands are also like where you can get age spots. Sure, yeah. Right? And like your skin thins there as you age. So anyway. It smells very French to me. It's, does it? It does. It smells like French perfumes. That's <laughs> and it's really roses, cool. roses, you know? Yeah, right. So, it smells really good. Mm, thanks. I That's like my that. favorite. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> 
So I just wanted to make three elaborations from my last episode, which was my solo episode, if you will, on the art of dying well. I neglected to define a couple things, so that's what I want to do right now for our listeners. So the particular judgment, I talked a little bit about that. I just want to define that it is what happens at the moment of death. It is an evaluation of the person's works and faith in accepting or rejecting the divine grace manifested in Jesus Christ. And the result is either entrance into the blessedness of heaven through the purification of purgatory or instantaneously or immediate and everlasting damnation. So those are kind of the three different things that could happen. At the end of our lives, we will be judged on how we loved. So that's what I wanted to talk about with the particular judgment. The next thing I wanted to define, which I did not do in that episode, was what purgatory is. So purgatory is the condition, process, or place of purification, kind of temporary punishment, in which the souls of those who die in a state of grace are made ready for heaven. So the catechism says, all who die in God's grace and friendship, but still imperfectly purified, are indeed assured of their eternal salvation. But after death, they undergo purification so as to achieve the holiness necessary to enter the joy of heaven. The church gives the name purgatory to this final purification, you know, of the elect, which is entirely different. I just want to make sure that you understand this entirely different from the punishment of the damned. The church formulated her doctrine of faith on purgatory, especially from the councils of Florence and Trent. And the tradition of the church, um, by reference to certain, you know, texts of scripture, speak of a cleansing fire of purgatory. And I just want to read this quote to you from the catechisms. Um, I'm sorry, from the, uh, from the catechism. This would be um, 1031. As for certain lesser faults, we must believe that before the final judgment, there is a purifying fire. He who is truth says that whoever utters blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will be pardoned neither in this age nor in the age to come. From this sentence, we understand that certain offenses can be forgiven in this age, but certain others in the age to come. Isn't that interesting? And then to continue, this teaching is also based on the practice of prayer for the dead, which is already mentioned in sacred scripture. And here's a quote from sacred scripture. Therefore, uh, Judas made atonement for the dead that they might be delivered from their sin. End quote. So from the beginning, the church has honored the memory of the dead and offered prayers and suffrage for them. Above all, the Eucharistic sacrifice, um, so that, you know, thus purified, they may attain the beatific vision of God. And the church also commends almsgiving, indulgences, and works of penance undertaken on behalf of the dead. I'll read this quote to you. It says, Let us help and commemorate them, for I'm sorry, if Job's sons were purified by their father's sacrifice, why would we doubt that our offerings for the dead bring them some consolation? 
Let us not hesitate to help those who have died and to offer our prayers for them. And then it continues, Since the passion and death of our Lord Jesus Christ, these souls have seen and do see the divine essence with an intuitive vision and even face to face without the mediation of any creature. So it is only the souls in purgatory, I want to clarify this, who have their free will and their intellect temporarily suspended. And that is because they lack a body in which to live out those two powers of the soul that I spoke about in the last episode. However, just know that their eventual entrance into heaven is certain. Many people have said that the souls in purgatory are in agony because they see the joys of heaven, they desperately wish to be there, they know that they will be there soon, but they wish to be purified before going there. The souls in heaven, conversely, they are perfectly united with their beloved Lord, and therefore they have autonomy in him. They have their free will and their intellect, but it is also completely joined with our Lord. The Catechism states, this perfect union with the Most Holy Trinity, this communion of life and love with the Trinity, with the Virgin Mary, the angels, and all the blessed, is called heaven. Heaven is the ultimate end and fulfillment of the deepest human longings, the state of supreme, definitive happiness. To live in heaven is to be with Christ. The elect live in Christ, but they retain or rather find their true identity, their own name. So I think that's really cool. We have to remember our own individuality is always retained. And then the third point that I wanted to talk about, because I forgot to define this, was what the last judgment is. And sometimes you will hear that referred to as the final judgment, the universal judgment, or even the general judgment. All those are the same thing. So first, there will be the resurrection of the bodies of the dead. And on the day of this resurrection, death will be definitively conquered uh, when these souls will be reunited with their bodies. The last judgment will come when Christ returns in glory. And then in the presence of Christ, who is truly truth itself, the truth of each man's relationship with God will be laid bare. Then through his son, Jesus Christ, he will pronounce the final word on all history. And we shall know the ultimate meaning of the whole work of creation and of the entire economy of salvation. And we'll truly understand the marvelous ways by which his providence led everything toward, you know, its final end. The last judgment will reveal that God's justice triumphs over all the injustices committed by his creatures and that God's love is truly stronger than death. The last judgment will reveal even to its farthest consequences the good each person has done or failed to do during his earthly life. So we actually have to see all of time play out to see the true lasting effect of our choices in this world when we are alive. This implies that every action we take as humans, whether good or bad, has, you know, a ripple effect of consequences. And like I said, we just need everyone's life to play out before we can truly measure the grand total result of those consequences. 
The last judgment is when God will come to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at in all who have believed. So I imagine that all of us will be standing there in just, you know, utter awe at his majesty, um, not just in who he is, but in all that he has done. And after the universal judgment, the righteous will forever reign with Christ, glorified in body and soul. And the universe itself will actually be renewed at that time. The church will receive her purification, um, her perfection, only in the glory of heaven, in heaven, when will come the time of the renewal of all things. And at that time, together with the human race, the universe itself, which is so closely related to us, you know, as humans, um, will attain its destiny through him, which will be perfectly reestablished in Christ. Sacred scripture calls this mysterious renewal which will transform humanity and the world, a new heaven and a new earth. It will be the definitive realization of God's plan to bring under a single head all things in Christ, things in heaven, and things on earth. And in this new universe, the heavenly Jerusalem, as it will, God will have his dwelling among men. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or any type of pain, for the former things have passed away. And Rachel, something else I wanted to share with you, just this like mind-exploding thought I had this weekend. Please share. (laughs) (laughs) So remember how we've heard that receiving Holy Communion is to be like heaven on earth? Yes. Yeah. And it's a foretaste of what's to come. Yes. And when we receive the body and blood of Jesus, St. Maximilian Kolbe says, You, Lord, come to me and unite yourself to me under the form of nourishment in the Holy Eucharist. Your blood now runs in mine. Your soul, incarnate God, penetrates mine, uh, giving courage and support. What miracles? Who should have imagined such? End quote. So I guess what I wanted to share with you, Rachel, is so when we welcome God's body into ours, Mm -hmm. it's a foretaste of what it will be like when we enter his body in heaven. Oh my goodness. Yes. (laughs) Think about that. It's already happening on this earth. There's already a commingling. I mean, it's not a commingling, but it's like a sharing, a joining Mm -hmm. of his actual presence, his actual body with us. Yes. I mean, that is like, wow. Isn't that cool? It's so cool. I just didn't. Because we had talked about how, you know, in heaven, when we're perfectly united with our beloved Christ then, and we're Within sharing. Within him, like in, yeah. like sharing his body. <laughs> yes. yes. Right. Anyway, and so that, that just struck me and it was amazing. So It is. And St. Maximilian continues by saying, quote, if angels could be jealous of men, they would be so for only one reason, holy communion, mm. end quote. And perhaps this is because, you know, angels do not have a body. Therefore, they cannot experience his physical body like we can here on earth and when we're in heaven. So this must be part of why we're said to be created in his image and likeness. Right. You can't see, you know, on the, uh, the listeners can't see, but I'm making this face like, oh my <laughs> word. I mean, it's just so true. And even mm-hmm. though angels have appeared 
in a, um, a, a, you know, a shape that people could see that looked like something that they recognized. Yeah. Let's just think about the, these bodies that we've be, been given for a moment, that they are in God's image and we yeah. will share in Christ's body. I mean, this is mind blowing stuff mind-blowing. and it makes me want to keep learning about how to treat my body that it is mine, but really it's his and I'm the steward of it. Mm-hmm, and that yeah. this sets me, us, you know, on this path of like, wow really nurture this thing that we have I know. and and all of it is just wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know. wow Rachel are you ready then to just move right into today's topic let's get into some more mysterious stuff here <laughs> shall we yes <laughs> so again getting into now running the race our journey from sin to freedom I know we don't want to harp on sin but sin is a real thing in our lives so we should talk about it right Rachel right I definitely think so and I know in you know our last episode it was a two-part episode but I had started out talking about thinking about sin in different ways in my life and we started to say is something or we discussed is something mortal is something venial Mm. and um, it wasn't all the way clear in, in our discussion and I remember we were starting to define what constituted a mortal sin. So today, not only can we like get more into that to make sure to clarify, but also certain God, you know, in the Christian life, God makes us certain ways and there's certain things that we focus on. And Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, sin is something that is, my brain works really hard to think about how it all fits together. Mm -hmm. Like, we're going to get into it, but like, what are, how are we supposed to spend our time? So you bring up a really good point. We're not supposed to spend too much time, you know, Focused mulling over sin, sin and thinking yeah. about sinful things. Yeah. But at the same time, then there's the opposite side. Well, then how am I supposed to act? And to me, for whatever reason, it's just part of what, um, like who I am, what I really try to work on to like mm-hmm. make sense of this Christian life. So we can get into some of that today. And then getting coming to the conclusion of the freedom that we will eventually have to be free of sin yeah eventually yes but we have a journey ahead of us right right so um the way I think of it often is that every moment of every day we're presented with choices we can you know what am I gonna how am I gonna spend my time what am I going to wear Mm -hmm. what am I gonna eat how am I gonna talk to my kids you know all these different things and how do we know if we're on the right track or not? And I think the more we grow in our Christian life, Mm -hmm. the more those answers might even change. Yeah. You know, as we mature, that's Mm going to look different. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so today are in our discussion, we can talk a little bit about that. Like, how do we, how do we know if we're on the right track? Yeah. And you know, I don't know if you've ever heard this expression, but in every moment there is God's perfect will for our life and then God's permissive will yes, for our I life. Have. have you heard that? I have, yes. Okay. And, you know, God's perfect will would be doing exactly as he'd want. God's permissive will is kind of like that which, you know, falls outside of his perfect will for our lives, but which he permits to happen probably because he loves us, you know. Right. He, he invites us instead of forces us and he wants us to learn and choose on our own. Right. So, you know, it's like God's perfect will is the goal for Christians and finding it and living within it can lead to blessings. But that doesn't mean that life will suddenly be easy. Right, right. (laughs) But rather that we might, you know, have the blessing of joy and endurance through whatever he gives us. If it's suffering, you know, for example. And maturity as well. That we will mature. When I think of a parent on this earth, Mm -hmm. 
my parent or I'm a parent to my children. We are the parent and that is the thing. But I always am thinking about what does it mean though? Why did God make families the way he did? And Mm. we know our children, we want them to grow in maturity and work through things and have endurance and self-control and all these things. So all the more so, why wouldn't God want us to grow in that in way those too? Ways. Yeah, so this, that's true. What you say, you know, we, we see patterns of that all around us. Yeah. So, you know, that's that gives true. us some hope. Like, okay, this is what God wants <laughs> me to learn. And and when we don't seek God's perfect will, and we're not finding it, it could be you know missing out on blessings or not growing in joy yeah. or not growing in love for God. But, you know, b- before we, like, worry about that, though, we have to remember that God has promised us that, you know, all things work together for the good of those who love God. Yes. So. And that, very much so, is a promise to cling to for dear life, mm. no matter what happens in life, yeah. hard or otherwise. Yeah. Cling. We cling to that promise. Yes. And we believe. Yes, we that do. That he will have, he will work out the best for us. Yeah, no matter what. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so let's ponder the question of what is sin? Yes. And I, Rachel, would say that it's when we make a choice that goes against God's Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And I would also say that the original sin was Adam and Eve not trusting God's goodness. Mm-hmm. What would you say about that? You think that's true? Or? I absolutely do. That <clears throat> predicated on that is this is us understanding that God is love. God is good. So even if we want to do something, anything that God wills is what we really ought to want and Mm. really is good. So, Mm. you know, with Adam and Eve, when they were tempted to eat the fruit or what have you, it wasn't just about the fruit. It was that God not wanting them to eat the fruit or, you know, eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Mm -hmm. that was the greater good. Mm -hmm. And so they doubted his goodness. Yeah, they did. Um, I've heard that, you know, sin means missing the mark. Mm. Sin in a sort of a day-to-day way of thinking about it is missing what God really ideally would intend for us to do or think or, you know, not do in a particular situation. Mm -hmm. So I've also heard of it described as a sickness. Mm. Sin is a sickness. We cannot be the perfect beings that we might want to be. Um, Our wills are sort of broken. And actually I had seen this really great website. It's, I mean, uh, an article on catholic.com. It talked a lot about the fall. And, you know, one of the things like what you alluded to was when Adam, when God created Adam and Eve, they at first had perfect communion and happiness with him. Mm. They were so content, but after they sinned because they doubted his goodness, there was a devastating separation. Mm. So um, their desires were all of a sudden in conflict with God's. And Mm. now they, and then after all of humanity, had to either give in to or battle against their disordered desires. So it isn't just, oh, you know, you person, you're so bad. You want to do these bad things. It's that our desires are broken, Mm -hmm. you know, to to a great extent. So um, all humans are born, unfortunately, with this alienation from God. And this article that I'm talking about um, talked about being stripped of our royal robe, Mm -hmm. that perfection we could have been born with. That life of Christ alive within us. Within us, right. And Mm -hmm. that we are since ravaged interiorly Mm -hmm. by this loss. So that's a strong statement, but it resonates with me Mm -hmm. because I can't speak for any other Catholic or any other Christian or human, but I'll speak for myself. It really is sad. It, It The fact that my desires are disordered and that they're not perfectly aligned to God's drives me crazy. It makes Mm. me so 
sad. Yeah. It's hard. So that, you know, that's sin. Sin is this, we just want, we might be selfish. We want what we want for us, but if it's not the best thing, then it's not in alignment with God. And that's what we have to battle against. And we want things that aren't always best for us anyway. We do, right? (laughs) Because also because we're not wise, we don't see the whole picture. We might think it feels good, seems good, but it might not be actually good. In our narrow focus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we do with this problem of sin? Yes. (laughs) You know, scripture is so full of um, all of the the proofs or the the things we can understand about the, the story basically of like we're, we're hopeless. What are, what are we supposed to do? So mm. first we know, like in Romans, we learned that all people have sinned and fall short of God's glory. So we do know that um, God has protected his mother from sin. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, all other human beings, like we, we have sin in our lives. Mm-hmm. So we've all sinned and fallen short. Um, and we also know that we can't ever just be good enough to save ourselves. Mm. And it says that like in the Psalms, um, anything that we do that's good is by God's grace. Mm-hmm. So first we know, okay, I'm totally beholden to God's grace. Mm-hmm. But then we know about the story of salvation, that God loved the people he created so much that Jesus himself, God's son, became a human to redeem humanness, humanity, and to fix the sin problem for Mm -hmm. us. And that Mm -hmm. is only, that's love. That's radical love that Mm. God himself would come (laughs) to condescend to our level. Yeah. So that's, that's amazing. So then there's also, I mean, that's beyond amazing. That's like a dumb word to use, but it's, it's amazing. So then the church also teaches us about, well, the Bible teaches us about baptism Mm. and the church explains it that it's a washing away of our original sin. Mm-hmm. And this is where you and I have talked about how it's kind of a mystery because if we've been baptized, we have had that cleansing, but we may, we do still have the propensity to do bad things mm-hmm. or to sin or our desires have not been perfected yet. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned though, how it's like a refilling. Yes. I heard can you, it. Can you sure, say it? A sister um, said that, you know, when the problem of the original sin happened, then therefore Eve could not give the life of God to her children. She could give her own physical life to the children, but she couldn't give the life of God to her children. She didn't have that to give. Right. And so what baptism does is it gives us the gift of God's life. Right. That is why we become his children at baptism. Yes. And and we're still living in a world where there's sin. So we're still going to have these unfortunate temptations to right. sin and whatnot. Right. But now what is different is we have the life of God within us, which is the Holy Spirit. Which, right. Which we can say yes or no to, but it is there that if we do say yes to God will guide us. Right. And that guidance and that, that desire that even if we keep missing the mark, we want to be not missing the mark, Mm -hmm. that desire that comes from God Yeah, and thank goodness, you know, for baptism and for the Holy spirit residing within us. Praise God. Yes. Praise God. So, um, that's where the battle continues, Mm. but it's with that knowledge that God will direct us. Yeah. He will help us. Yes. Yeah. He's right there just for the asking. If right. You need him. <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah. Rachel, would you say that all sins are the same? They're not. And for, especially for any of our listeners who are not Catholic, I will share with you, you know, Christian, Christian to Christian, that this is where I'm still on the journey of really grasping mm-hmm. the way that the Catholic church teaches about the differences in sin. 
some Protestant denominations will say that all sins are the same. Uh, not so much that murder is the same as some other smaller sin, but more like it has the same level um, of uh, making someone unworthy of heaven. Okay. So let's talk about like what the catechism teaches us, though, about the differences, because there are differences. And so the first, the first one, if we look in the catechism, we see that we can sin against our relationship with God, mm. against our relationship with others. Mm. How we treat ourselves can be missing the mark. Um, and by doing the opposite of virtues which would be vices, yeah. also by doing things that we shouldn't and, or failing to do what we should. So mm-hmm. this, there's this whole tableau, this you know, variation of ways we can miss the mark. And then it would be neat if you'll talk to us a little bit about the variation in severity that the church yeah. teaches us about. Yeah, I think this is really interesting. So, yeah, the church tells us that not all sins are the same. And in fact, um, here's kind of the biblical background of it. St. John, you know, the beloved disciple of Jesus. Yes. So he says in 1 John chapter 5, uh, he makes the distinction between the types of sins. So he says, if anyone sees his brother sinning, and if that sin is not deadly, he should pray to God and he will give him life. All wrongdoing is sin. There is such a thing as deadly sin. But there is sin that is not deadly. Mm-hmm. So that's what he said. And so, yes, all sin is wrongdoing for sure. However, some sins are deadly and other sins are not deadly. So there are degrees of seriousness or degrees of gravity, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we generally classify them into either the category of venial or mortal. Mm-hmm. So venial would be less serious and mortal would be more serious. Mm-hmm. Venal is not deadly and mortal is deadly. So if we kind of saw it in like a, a spectrum, if you will, like maybe, you know, an arrow with a, going to the left or going to the right, right in right. degrees of serious, right? Let's say on the left would be less serious sins, venial sins. And then on the right, let's say, would be more serious uh, mortal sins. So it's all sins. It's just on a spectrum. Mm-hmm. So venial sins wound our relationship with the Lord. It weakens us. And that could eventually lead us to commit mortal sins. Mm -hmm. Mortal sin, however, breaks. It doesn't just wound, it breaks or destroys our relationship of intimacy with the Lord and with the community of the church, the body of Christ. And it kills the state of grace that was alive within us. Grave sin is another name for mortal mm-hmm, sin. You'll sometimes right. hear that. And that's where in one of our previous episodes, I used the word grave yeah. about some things. And that's why it's good to clarify here. Like, okay, what do we really mean by grave in this technical sense? Thank you. Yeah, you're right. Like gravity could be a measurement of, but here we're talking about a specific, you know, we're right. talking about mortal yes. when we say grave. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I would personally recommend that a person not make any major decisions while in this state of mortal sin because I feel like you can't see as clearly when you're in it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to remember, you know, sin separates us from God. Mm-hmm. Grace unites us to God. And being in a state of grace is when you and God are united. Venial sins kind of, you know, move us to the edge of being united with God. And although we still are, we're not as united as tightly to him. Right. Which if we think about earthly relationships, it makes it's for me, it's Mm -hmm. even easier to understand Mm -hmm. if you have a friendship or Mm -hmm. your spouse, 
yeah. you know, little things. That, you know, you are going to, if you're more annoyed with one you another, feel you feel it. Yeah, you do. It doesn't you know. feel good. Right, right. No. And conversely, then, mortal sin is a choice that moves us completely away from God. Um, so if you kind of saw it as like Venn diagrams, yes, yes. <laughs> as a former math teacher, that excites uh-huh. me. So um, it's kind of like that. Like, so one, you know, being in a state of grace would be like, you know, if God was like a big circle, you're like right in the center. There you are. You're in a state of grace. Venial sin kind of puts you on the outer orbit of, of yeah. God. If God were this big circle, right? So you're kind of moving out and then mortal sin would put you outside of that circle of God's grace. Um, so let's talk about the three requirements for a mortal mm-hmm. sin because we talked a little bit about that, but we wasn't we weren't sure. Now we've had our time to to kind of prepare to make sure we were ready. <laughs> <laughs> so the first requirement is it has to be a grave matter. Mm-hmm. This means a serious sin. So remember, it has to be a serious sin to God, not necessarily to me. Right, and that's important I will say coming into the church into the Catholic church I mean there were things that surprised me I didn't realize were considered a mortal sin mm. and it was I I needed time to understand if this is the mind of God oh I didn't realize but this if this is what he wants for me or this is what he wants for my life then it is really important what God mm. wants mm-hmm. so it's just wrapping your mind around that like oh if my paradigm has been wrong this is what God really wants, mm. then okay, I I will align myself with that. And it takes time to digest sometimes it these does. things. I'll agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The second requirement is I have to know that it is a grave matter or a serious sin. I have to have that knowingness. You have to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember, sin is, is not an accident. It's not a mistake. I knew this was a serious sin has to be the kind of condition that we're in. And then the third requirement is... I freely choose to do it anyhow. So if you meet those three requirements, has to be a grave matter, very serious. Um, I have to know that it's grave and serious, and I still do it anyhow. Those are the requirements for mortal sin. Okay, so again, those three things are full knowledge, deliberate consent, and grave matter. And if any of those things are missing, it might still be a sin, but it wouldn't be mortal. So I wouldn't be guilty in the same way if one of those pieces were missing, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just want to throw in there this thought I had as a <clears> former <throat> Protestant. To be able to grasp that there are sins that are not deadly is actually radical. And I mm. say that just that we might not drive ourselves as crazy with mm. things where certainly we don't want to do any of the bad things. But if there's grace for some smaller things, to me, I think that's freeing. Yeah. And then there's the flip side, which is that some are deadly and that's really serious. Yeah. And so we want to, you know, make sure that we, um, uh, that our consciences are well informed. Yeah. But I'm just letting that sink in over the years. Like, huh, there's some, you know, just yeah. the gravity that there's a difference. It's just there wild. Is a difference. Yeah. What would you say are some examples of mortal sin, Rachel? The clearest ones <clears throat> would be things like murder mm-hmm. where it's every human just about would agree, mm-hmm. um, egregious. And then other things that show up in scripture a lot too would be sexual sins mm-hmm. like adultery and sins against one's own body, things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Catholic church, some are more clear cut, like choosing to not go to mass or like, um, choosing to ignore a holy day would be considered mm-hmm. mortal as well. Especially if you have the ability to get there. Right. Versus mm-hmm. if you're sick or you have some other circumstances, but if it's just, 
I'm choosing not to go for no reason. Mm-hmm. So, and That's ab- what the church teaches. Okay. And abortion, yes. um, pornography, um, fornication, things like that. Right. Yep. Yeah. The Bible and the church are um, very, very big on sexuality and how we do treat our bodies and the bodies of others. Yeah. It's a big deal. What are the ways we could determine if something is of grave matter, Rachel? It's such a good question. Um, the Bible has different passages and that's where the church, you know, gives us guidance. So Mm -hmm. both the catechism of the church, which talks about the 10 commandments, Mm -hmm. like you had opened with, um, committing sins against the 10 commandments Mm -hmm. and the church gives guidance on what that might look like. Mm -hmm. And then there are passages in scripture that may have, you know, they have these lists of if, if a person does these and lives a lifestyle with these different sins, then it's, you know, a big deal. So it would be things like first Corinthians six, mm. nine and 10 Galatians five, 19 through 21 Ephesians five, three through six. Those are mm. scriptural references. And then this one's very important. We have to listen to our conscience mm. first because mm-hmm. we'll, We'll know if we've done something really bad, but also if we're less informed, we didn't realize something was as big a deal to God. It's also important to talk to a priest if we're in doubt. Yeah. I think this is really helpful. He can help us determine the gravity of a sin under your or my particular circumstances. Which I think really matters. Yeah. Right. Some things are clear cut, but some things might not be. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the older and more mature we get also, the easier it will be for us to determine the gravity of our sins. Mm -hmm. An example, you know, might be, I'm thinking of a time when, and this isn't because I became more mature, but this is actually getting back to talking to a priest. Um, I was under a ton of stress before I got sick and and things were really difficult. And I had this outburst at my kids when there was a mess on the floor Mm -hmm. and it was not fair to them at all. I felt terrible after I did it to, to yell at them for this mess. So I was so disturbed at myself for losing it that I didn't go to communion because I couldn't get to confession right away. Mm-hmm. When I did go, I asked the priest, is that something that I should refrain from communion? And in my particular circumstances, he said, if you're in doubt and you're really, you know, don't feel, if your conscience is really bothered, it is, you know, it is a safe bet to just wait until you go to confession. And so that sort of surprised me like, okay, and it's mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. So I was glad I talked to the priest mm-hmm. for clarification. So um, that and other mature people in our lives can help us to kind of know if we're not sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's very important. I definitely think talking to a priest is huge because we are not theologians. Right. So as much as we might be presenting this information to our listeners, you know, we are not the experts on this. No. And we're not the experts on our listeners' lives either. Never. (laughs) So it is so important to seek out the guidance of a good and holy priest. Yes. And it's okay to go to more than one priest. Right. You know, get as much information as you can to make the wisest decisions as you can. And I will say that gives me an immense amount of comfort in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. And I would also recommend to our listeners that they search for Father Mike Schmitz on YouTube. That's S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. He is wonderful. And he compares our sins to what kind of happens at like a bullfight. And I'm not advocating bullfighting and neither is Father Mike Schmitz. (laughs) But imagine that we're like the bull. Okay. And the picadors are, you know, those people who 
you know, the bull is first weakened by the daggers that are placed in the bull's neck, if, if you kind of remember yes, about this, Rachel. Right. And so because of those daggers, he can't lift or turn his head. So it weakens him. And that's kind of like venial sins. Mm. They weaken us. We can't see or move as clearly. Um, we're not as vigilant, really, for the coming of any mortal sins, right? Um, so then the matador comes out for the kill shot. And that is like mortal sin. It takes us out. It kills the state of grace in our souls. So the goal is to be on guard against all sin. Mm -hmm. We want to avoid all wrongdoing because it can only harm us. Right. But I love that comparison of the bullfight, how, you know, the the picadors with the daggers, that's venial sins. It does weaken us. It does make us more prone to more sin. Um, We want to avoid it all if possible. And the word vigilant is great. That's Mm. where we're just, we're on guard. Yes. On guard. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I just want to kind of leave us with this final question here in this episode. So what if we are in a state of mortal sin? How do we get out of that state of being? And we're going to like kind of leave our listeners on this cliffhanger, but we have got some incredibly exciting and good news to, to share with you in our next episode. So stick around as we answer that delicious <laughs> question. Well, maybe it's a tough question, but the answer is delicious. The answer delicious because it leads to freedom yes yes so stay tuned for our next episode on that We hope you'll search for our group on Facebook. Just search for Fashioned by Faith and join, please. Both men and women are in our group. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Fashioned by Faith Podcast. And know that we love to hear from our listeners. So you can either DM us on Instagram or email us at fashionedbyfaithpodcast at gmail.com. We hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving and we'll see you on Wednesday for our next episode. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks, Lisa. What a wonderful time together and happy Thanksgiving to all of our friends listening. (laughs) Enjoy time with friends and family, hopefully. And until then, stay true to the faith and keep growing in style.